There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Every one of them brought us up. This is Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner GAA podcast. Hello there and welcome to a special Monster Senior Hurling final edition of Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner's GA Championship podcast. Well, we've brought out the big guns for today's programme and we are delighted to welcome to Irish Examiner HQ, former Clare All-Ireland winning captain Anthony Daly, along with cock goalkeeping legend Jerk Cunningham. Uh, lads, first of all, the new format this year. Are we fans? Oh yeah, I'd big big fan. Uh Colin Matata was just fantastic. Like, you know, I I'd be hoping now that whoever, you know, will win Munster, I suppose, and, and the three teams coming out of Munster won't be so flat from absolutely killing each other compared to Leinster was a bit easier for the big three, Dublin were solid and, and performed okay in every game and but really you look at Galway's passage through and you, you, you'd say, you know, but no, I, I loved it. I do agree that we probably need a tweak to give a break, you know, this you know, Watford four weeks in a row and like I would say that that severely cost them and uh, you know, their very first game in Innes sure I mean, I'd never seen such a litany of disaster already missing Austin Gleason and and Ty de Burke, Kevin Moran send off and three or four more their key men, Ty de Burke, Barry Coughlin, Nolly Connors, all coming off injured. Um so that really done them, you know, and then to get the decision they got against Hip you know, but loved it. I loved it. Yeah, but I think we need to talk space it out that little bit, a week or two more. Okay, just the talk this week, Anthony, and I'll come to you in a sector. Has all been about Kildare and about grounds and everything like that. Talk to me about the day Clare hosted Limerick in what was a make or break Munster Championship game. Yeah, well, I unfortunately was was working that night for the Sunday game, so was watching it from a studio above uh, alongside. Um, uh, who was on me, uh, Eddie Brennan, I think, and Des Cahill. So uh, didn't re- it was hard to get a sense of it. But, um, you know, my wife and one of my daughters was there and my brother was there. And, uh, you know, they, it was jammers and it was a fantastic atmosphere around the town. There was a few complaints from people about maybe the facilities, you know, maybe toilet facilities and that not quite being up to 19,000 and that, you know, there was poor to lose and stuff like that. But but the buzz around the town and, uh, you know, fantastic, absolute from the trains. I, I have a sister-in-law that works uh, for Aaron Road Air and there and uh, she's based in Limerick Station. Like, and they were up on the train sure, since I think the first train was put on at seven o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, so and they didn't leave until the last train at nine o'clock, I think so. It was a, it was it was like Mardi Gras. Like we've had the fly in Ennis for the last two years, and everyone was telling me it was the nearest thing to the fly that they've they've seen in years and years. So it was it was great, like because we didn't have 
a big Munster Championship match there since 93 I think we played Limerick there uh, we had a few big qualifiers there but nothing like this like Clare and Limerick and all the talk about Limerick as well uh, at the time OK Ger, we'll bring you in there Parky Cueve the, the night of the Limerick match on a Saturday night televised by Sky nearly 30,000 was there a part of you that would love to be back out there in action again oh 100% Cullum unfortunately time waits for no man like you know but uh, that night the atmosphere was fantastic you just had 35 44 35,000 people uh, down there on a Saturday night sun spitting the stones for Munster Championship hurling and like Dalo said I think this is probably the closest we've got to a situation where it's kind of it's it's nearly championship where mm. you know the championship is about knockout but in the context of where it's gone over the last number of years you know with, with the way the games have gone and more, more games I think Munster this year has been there's been some incredible matches. There's been really, you know, every every game was very competitive and it's been really good. And, you know, I went down that night more so to look at Limerick because yeah. we, I'd seen Cork four or five times this year. I hadn't seen Limerick. I wanted to see what the talk was about, you know, from the context of it was a big match for them to come down. Uh, they had a lot to play for just to see them in the context of, to see them live, you know. You'd be slightly older than Anthony, just slightly. You'd, you'd remember the knockout days before Anthony's time again. But looking back, back, to, do, to those days, you know, when you think about it, all the effort and all mm. the training and everything, and it all came down to, to 170 yeah, minutes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there was years there. But, like, we had very good teams. Like, and, you, you, you know, if your teams didn't go your way, you know, I suppose that's what championship at the, in, back in those days was about. You didn't get the second chance. We're now much more accustomed to the fact of, the, fact of the you know, introduced the back door. I think this is a big step up, and then this is much better in the context of the games are, you know, they're as good, you know, they're, they're, every game means something. It was impactful, like, you know, but definitely... You know, if you're, I think from talking to the players and, and, and you know, in, in around the, the, the Cork scene, lo- everyone loved it in the context of games. You know, mm. players love games after game after game. Uh, you do your training, you know, but the old way that you could, you know, you'd be waiting four or five, six weeks for a game. You might do 20 sessions for one game again, whereas now they're, you know, they're recovering. All of a sudden their focus is back on the next game. Probably as Dale said, the situation like the games. I think if they can find a way that each team gets two, gets two games, gets a break and gets two more as it felt for yeah. Clare this year in yeah. the context of that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was ideal for them. Yeah. Ideal for them. Like you have to feel sorry for like for the teams that have gone out who played four Sundays in a row. Not that you'd be so, so sorry for Tip in a sense, sorry Larry, <laughs> but like you know Waterford, Tipperary, Offaly, and Leinster as well. The four Sundays definitely made an impact in a row. Like there's no doubt about that. And I think again they'll tweak it. I would imagine going mm. forward, and if they can find some way to give 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 teams to if they you know have a bit of party around the place where you have a, two games, have your break in two games. But I think that's only just tweaking. Overall, it's been fantastic. From a manager's perspective, Ger, how would John Myler and Brian Cody, etc., how would they have approached this year differently because of the new structure? Yeah, I'd say from a point of view, again, I suppose the, it's, it's probably a bit of a journey into the unknown in, in the sense like that uh, the league was very is, has been for the last number of years very competitive Like, and everyone was trying to stay in Division 1A for some reason. I think that might slightly change now in the context of people are seeing that if... If the if the games in the championship are so competitive and you are playing in a, you know four or five games in a shorter space of time, I think you need to manage that a bit better going forward, and that you're you know you're not going to try peak for the league, come back down and go again because the games have been so intense. So I think they've I think I think the managers have learned from it. I just uh, you know was just just looking. I think the, the teams that are, have done very well, you know the likes of of, of Cork and Clare who've got through to Sunday, they've stuck with the core players. You know they've picked twelve or thirteen players nearly all the time in their team. Um, and they didn't rotate too often, and then they brought people in as as they, as they saw fit. I think Tipperary maybe gamble in the first match against Limerick. I think you know the, he threw out a team like that was you know that nobody nobody believed in relation to what, what just where 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 did this team come from? 
was he thinking down the line a bit in the context of you know is there tougher games they're thinking that they'd beat Limerick in, in Limerick but I think pick your, your core players and then you kind of build on and build on so I think that uh, lessons learned all around but I think the two, the two teams that have come through to Sunday are teams that have picked the core players and then brought in a couple of players for the matches Anthony you're nodding in agreement there do you think mm. back to the league point that you're was making that we're going to be looking more at an experimental time for teams to, to bring on those non-core 10 players? Maybe, Colm, yeah. But, but to kind of answer your question, uh, I think, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you that, that that kind of folk, the big dif- differential from a management point of view, I would say, was where we, when we were at it, uh, you'd have, you know, you'd be preparing for Wexford or whatever and you'd look at Wexford's strengths and weaknesses and then, You'd have three weeks, maybe again, then to have a look at Galway or Kilkenny's strengths and weaknesses, and 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 that, and the same in Munster. Whereas now, like with say Waterford situation, where four weeks in a row, so you couldn't, you know, you couldn't overburden players with analysis and and stuff like that with with only six seven days recovery. Uh, so that that made it completely different, and I think an awful lot of them went on camps, you know, beforehand, and uh, I believe the Cork team were in photo there last weekend, and kind of thing, you know. I suppose these two weeks they've allowed each other to have a look back at the earlier game. I certainly would have had a look at the earlier game now this week a couple of times and uh, you know just trying to pick out a few things from it. But it didn't allow the system, didn't allow you really. You had to focus on yourselves. And I think, as Jura said, the two counties that kind of focused on themselves, you do feel a bit for Limerick. Now, they're true, which was, I'll tell you, at the start of Munster, and Larry's here with us, you'd take it third and Sir Farrell swears that he thinks that the team in third might have a better chance of an All-Ireland. Do you know that, that they might be that team that could come now with a run instead of a team that's very down after losing a massive provincial final mm. now because because of the build-up. So, yeah, like you would feel a bit for Limerick. They put so much into the match in the park with 14 men. Then they, they sensed that Watford were vulnerable if they got Adam early. And they got their business done and they were true coming tennis. You know, so mm-hmm. it was a bit of advantage Claire that day and Claire had to win and, and Ennis I maintain spooks Limerick a little bit anyway coming out there, you know, it's tight and it's sort of <laughs> the, the, the crowd are on top of you. But uh look, uh overall it's it's a huge change for players and management to get used to, but I think they they better be getting used to it because I think the general thing is if people have liked it. No, we're in the middle of a World Cup. We've had the controversy about the uh, Kildare Mayo football venue. In terms of the Munster final build-up, seems to be quite quiet here, Ger. Am I reading it wrongly? No, I think you're reading it right. I think I think um, you know. I suppose that we had such the excitement for the last couple of matches, and all of a sudden, then you kind of have a bit of a break, which we weren't used mm. to as we were going Sunday after Sunday. All of a sudden, it stopped. We had the Munster football final in between. And do you, th- do you think that that Munster football final has impacted on kind of the Cork GA morale? No, I don't think so. I think the hurling, you know, the hurling support and the hurling, you know, the support that's there for the hurlers have, has been there all year. And I think that, uh, you know, I think they kind of took it as a week down and a week off in the context of, you know, there was a there was a fine quarter last Sunday. The hurling support has been there all year for the team. You know, there's a connection. Even though they have said that they have it in clear again. There's there's a there's a the hurling core people who 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 are going to follow Cork. I think just took maybe a bit of downtime to, to, to go again mm-hmm. and you know should the match was sold out like you know straight away once the tickets were sold so you can see the interest that's there on Sunday like Cork will the Cork supporters will turn up on Sunday in a, in a hu- in huge numbers like because the you know they've they've they believe in this team they've been since last year since last year's turnaround winning Munster 
you know, it's brought the belief back, that, you know, the young fellas coming through on the team, you know, there's a, there's a great sense of, you know, there's, there's optimism there, there is optimism there, and I think that, you know, I suppose the, the, the controversy of the, the, the Kildare match probably has taken away from a, just from a talking point of view, uh, but hopefully, you know, and maybe the World Cup in the background as well, because it's been so, it's been, it's been good, and there's been a lot going on as well, and hopefully over the next couple of days, and we'll start thinking about Torres. You know, you mentioned there the, the young players, for, from a Cork perspective, Ger uh, and it was something that was talked about so much last year. Do you think because of the new structure, we're going to see a, a declining age profile in intercounty teams? Just, it's been declining for a number of years, really. Like you know, what I mean, you can see that you know, I think Cork have maybe f- maybe five or six um, of the guys playing on, on Sunday are in contention to be part of the you know the first twenty one or twenty on Sunday are playing again in the Munster on twenty one final next Wednesday. Wednesday. You know what I mean? So the, and then there's another batch of them probably training as well from the point of view, and there's, there's another batch maybe coming through on development squads. Um, so. You know the way the game has gone from the point of view of we've seen it. We've both been involved in colleges in, in different levels. Like you know the guys, you know I'd say if you go through to them, the guys that are married on both sets on both teams, it's like if you have a family mm. nowadays and commitments and work and that you'd find it very difficult with the amount of the training that's involved nowadays and the commitment is, it's 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 full time. It's it's everything. Your your whole life has to be dedicated, you know, to be to be tried to play at this level. So okay, uh, Anthony, you, you were talking there and. and Ger alluded to the, the buzz in Clare this week. Is it is it going back to twenty thirteen levels? Oh, it is, Cullum. Yeah, it's it's it's. Do you know? Do you know what? I I don't know why, Cullum. I, it's very hard to put your finger on it. But just after thirteen, I suppose after the fourteen defeat and and gone in fourteen, there just seemed to be a little bit of a disconnect between the Clare hurling. You know, diehards even I'd say we have. We've always had a sort of a middle-of-the-road crowd that would maybe follow Munster Rugby to care footballers if they were going well. But we'd always a real hardcore hurling support. Now, we wouldn't have the numbers Cork would have. But, you know, obviously in the 90s then we had a, a massive kind of following. But, you know, somewhere along the way there was a little bit of a disconnect, you know. But that, there's no doubt about it this year. Um, you know, they didn't travel to Cork in huge numbers, but they went to the park to see the Waterford game because it was so easy you know to go there get tickets as well like there was 14 15,000 there but they saw something that day and then to go to Turles and win you know I mean that was I mean the butt of a post I suppose got us through we rode our luck but I mean for the clear people to go into Turles and be tip that really brought people around and I believe even you know the players were up to town having an hour pint with the ordinary Joe public, the, the evening of the Limerick game, nothing major, nothing and, uh, overdone. How important is it to have that connection? Oh, look at it, I think it's huge. I mean, I'm not advocating for lads going off for a father report or two weeks out from a Munster final, but they didn't. They had two or three points, I think, in a couple of the local kind of diehard hurling pubs. And uh, people, people, the amount of people that told me, like, you know, about that, and they met this fillet, they met that fillet, and it was great to see them out with the public again. and for so long they were ferried off in buses and hidden away doing recovery stuff and no one knew anything about the team or you know because no one had a clue what was going on you know so this that buzz seems to be really really back and like i was only saying it for the first time in 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 the five years i've seen supermarkets and shops with with stands now with flags and car flags and uh, and selling them as well Mm. and the amount of cars you're passing on the road now and the road is mad busy of course with the weather I'm, I'm living out to Kilrush Road on the way to Kilkee um, and like every second car has a clear, clear car flag on it now and I, I haven't seen it in five years to be honest even though we won the league in 16 great 
victory in a replay, but no, there just seems to be that connection back w- with the public, and for the first time uh, in a long time, you know, we were embarrassed last year with the crowd we brought to the Munster final, to be honest. But like you have people appealing on Facebook last night and this morning, has anyone a terrorist ticket like, you know, and we will probably still be outnumbered, obviously, Cork, Cork have a huge, you know, population mm. advantage and, and all that. But I'd say we, we'll definitely have a 60-40 situation, whereas, unfortunately, last year, like, I mean, it was, it was nearly 90-10, I'd say, on the day. And, uh, no, there is a huge demand for tickets and tickets are like gold dust up there. So that's that's a great sign. And there's, there's, there's not a, a massive sense of expectation or cockiness or anything that the 20-year wait for Munster is going to be ended, but... There is a real sense of this is 50-50 and if we get a break or two on the day, we can win it because we go back to the match early in the year and we had chances you know, to win it and we didn't, a pass or two went astray when goals were on and, and things like that. And we're as good as Cork, that's what the general feeling is. We're, we're not saying we're better in any way, but we're as good as Cork, we're saying. And on the day, if the boys turn up and, and we get big performances from key guys, that we could get over the line. Okay, Ger, would you go along with that? Are Clare as good as Cork? Are Cork as good as Clare? Um, <clears throat> I think it's a 50-50 match column, to be honest. I think there's, um, you know, I, I suppose in the last couple of years, Cork have, surprised since 2013, have had the upper hand in Clare in championship matches. So, you know, they probably, you know, they'll go in with that confidence behind them that they won't fear Clare. I said they have a huge respect in the context of, you know, they know they've, in the last, last year, there was, there was a puck of about five points in it. This year's game in the park and again five points in it that's nothing in hurling like mm. as, as Bielo said a couple of scores either way uh, a goal either way that changes the whole game um, and I would be you know I would be I would be you know just worried in the context of the momentum I think that Clare are building to, to, for that game you know the, the impact we saw afterwards the first time they won in 90 years in Thurles like it, it brought it, and it, you know 18 seconds you know 10 minutes earlier and the game yeah. was gone and, and they were out like you know Tipper got seven points up and it was all over I think the momentum, you know, the, the the sway of change has what it's done to that team, is, is what I'd be worried about. You know, they went down to, to Limerick, and I just think, or don't to, don't to, don't they brought Limerick to Limerick came down to Ennis, and I just think the, you know, the, the passion they brought, they brought, they kind of made it into a kind of a, a tribal game, that I think, you know, maybe that Limerick weren't ready for, and as Dalo said, maybe their track record isn't great there. They made it into that battle, into that war, and you know, and then you know, the sending off, but you know, possibly killed the game in that kind of context, but. They have momentum. They lost the Cork in the first game. They've won all their matches since. You know that makes them very, very dangerous. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that you know, depending on the situations, you know, the, on Sunday, I'm not sure if Mark Ellis is a doubt. I think he'd be a serious loss to Cork in the context of, uh, you know, size and physique and, and pace. If he's not there, what are the options and what you know the changes that has to be made? Uh, you know, he's an experienced guy, and um, so. I think it's a 50-50 call. I think, in, you know, in the context of trying to trying to predict it, it's not easy, as Lilo said. Clare have their leaders and their big players, and I think if Cork can, can target them and, and take them and limit their impact, um, I think Cork will win, but I think it's going to be a mighty battle. In terms of Cork, the, the, the fade-outs that we've seen in the course, that you know, the fact that they, they can go missing for 10 mm. minutes and leave teams back in, you know, how, how do you account for something like that? Yeah, it depends. It depends. Like you know, they, like in the games that they've played, they, you know, they, they've you know, I suppose like they've, they, from, from you know, I suppose when looking at the team, they look, a, you know, they look a team with serious pace. Mm. They look in good shape, and they've got they've got guys who can really really turn it on, uh, and they're good hurlers. And I think you know if the weather keeps up, 
playing in Turles, you know, uh, if there's a shootout, like in the context that Cork are quite capable of getting, I think, you know, 25, 26, 27 scores, a lot more often than Clare are getting them. And I think, like, Cork have scoring forwards, uh, you know, um, Harnady has, you know, has, has contributed three or four scores a match. Hoggy the same. Um, we haven't seen that from Connolly Han yet, but hopefully that'll come. Shane Kingston has chipped in with it, you know, nine or ten scores over the four matches. I think they've potentially, like, they've got good, very good players. Okay, I think that that happens in games. You know, teams get their get little periods of times that um, that that they'll be on top of you. And uh, but I think at the same time, Cork showed great resilience when when it has gone against them that they've bounced back. And I think they've finished all their games really well, which is a great sign of a team. I think mm. that are from a fitness point of view and maybe from a mental strength point of view for a change that they're in a good place. But the night against Limerick, the fact that they were playing against 14 mm. men for three quarters of the game, and, uh, you know, we've often yeah. seen it, the yeah. teams struggle yeah. with the yeah. numerical advantage, but, like, you know, the, the puck outs went, went awry as well too in the second half. Is, you know, is, is that just one of those things you can't, you can't quantify? Yeah, it's very hard. Like, they had 45 minutes really to plan it and were 40 minutes to, kind of, to, to plan what was going to happen. And I suppose what was surprising is that they didn't bring on Conor O'Sullivan uh, when they had an extra man in defence He's the, probably the best player that Cork have. Um, he hasn't played up to now, you know, in the context of whether they'll start him or not. I think, you know, he hasn't played too much. He hasn't seen. To, he seems to be a bit of an impact player. They brought him on the last day mm-hmm. when they played Waterford with the sweeper, knowing that there was going to be an extra man back there. He's very good to distribute the ball, uh, but again, I suppose at times we probably don't have the. You know, we only have one or two guys in the forward line who can win the puckouts. So they have to come up with plan B. And I think Limerick did a very good job in stopping the Cork puckouts to the half-back line, midfield and the half-forward line, which meant that you know they, they had to go short. And Limerick seemed to be happy for them to go short because it was the next ball that, 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 that was coming up. They were quite happy to compete for that. You know? So it's, uh, that's where it's intriguing. That's where you know, I suppose the, the evolution in relation to tactics now that the goalkeeper on, on you know, is 30, 35 puckouts a match. He now is developing into a kind of a quarterback situation where he, he's now kind of dictating you know, getting possession. And I think that's what it's all about. But, but like, you know, as a former goalkeeper, Jerry, yeah. you look at the role Anthony Nash has had in hurling yeah. and, and Stephen Cluxton yeah. in football. Yeah. The, 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 those two individuals have probably changed the course of how we look at Gaelic games. Well, like, I think, just like you just say, like I watched, I was sat in the, I sat in the stand last year in Thurles, um watching Anthony Nash in his, in his pre-game routine of pucking out. He has the routine of where he goes. It was just phenomenal to watch, you know, the accuracy and the amount of times that he hit he put the ball into the into the guy's hand every single time. Is this before we stole the slitters or uh, That was the, that was before we stole the slitters, you know. So we're we I think we're ready for that one on Sunday again. There's two bets. <laughs> <laughs> and it's safe. Frankly why you know slitters on Sunday But uh, you know, we'll say it's it's one thing, as you said there, Jerry, you're sitting up in the stand looking down and you can see the, the free players yeah. and the vantage points. But take it from your perspective, when you were at ground level, when you were playing, yeah. standing out Obviously, your vision is going to be completely different to somebody that's sitting yeah. 20, 30, 40 feet up. Oh, totally, totally. But I think nowadays, like from, you know, from being involved with teams, you know, the amount of goalkeeping coaching that's going on, a lot of it now is focused on puckles. Mm. You know, like the, the days of just going in and shot stopping and you know, doing other stuff. Um, you know, that's all part of it. But it's it's huge, you know, focus on how can we get the ball, how can we get possession. But if you're picking a goalkeeper now, are you now picking more on their puck out capabilities rather than their shot stopping? It's I think just the, the, the kind of the puck out scenario and the way the game has changed, the, the importance of being able to find a man and having have the confidence that if it breaks down and if it goes against you once or twice, that you'll keep going. 
You know, most goalkeepers, if they're trying something, and they do, and they hit a bad one, or it, it land goes over the sideline, and the crowd start getting onto him, you can be nearly damn sure the next one is going to go ninety yeah. yards on the pitch. So it's a guy that that's strong enough, mentally strong enough, um, and that probably Don Rowe was the, word, the first guy to probably introduce that to say, well, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong, and he knows that he's got the confidence of the the management team behind him to say, well, if that's what, if that's the plan, let's stick to the plan and let's let's keep on doing it. So. And the importance of, of pucking out, I think you see it now in, in goalkeepers everywhere, the, the guy who's able to, to pin the ball that 20 yards, 40 yards, 60 yards into, in, into the hand as against having the long one, which is great to have the long one as well from the point of view of having, having that as part of your armoury. But the amount of goals and the amount of shots in games nowadays that goalkeepers are not really being, are not being tested anymore in the context of you know, the, the goal mode scramble. Yeah. A lot of teams are taking, you know, we're getting games with 23, 24, 25 points, like a one goal or no goal. You know, they don't the times that we see keepers, you know, having to make great saves. But but they do. You know, you see the saves some of the guys have made this year already have been fantastic. So the context of goalkeeping and puck outs has become an awful lot more important in the in, in the overall package of a goalie. Plus you're so dependent you're on, on on the movement out the field, like aren't you involved now club level there with Kilmacud and you know, uh good Corkman, Matty Collins yeah. is in goal there for us and they always like on, on Matty he says no I'm moving there though. <laughs> like you know, that's the thing, like and we we a lot of our video work, we would ask your man to send, put the video up behind mm. the forwards so you can see who's moving. And so much now, like, I mean, I would have stood under a nice few of his puck outs, went, probably went over my head, he'd such a belt of a ball. Uh, but like, well, Just on that, would Davey have ever gone to you at any stage? Oh, no, I didn't want it. <laughs> we, we used to turn our back on them in case you'd get them at all. No, like, that was, that's, that's the way it's changed, I think. You know, it's now every cornerback has to be comfortable to take a puck out now because there's an awful lot of teams setting up and I think even Cork are setting up this year with four banks of three with Hoggy as your constant inside mm. and then a rotation player inside with him be it Harrandy, be it Lehan, be it Kingston you know and they're letting Daniel Kearney drift out then as a third midfielder maybe so like I just think with, with goalkeeping now when it's been a big thing for Clare as well last year like like honestly, like I know the boys were in their first year of management, but putting in a different goalie for every single league game, three different goalies. Like I mean, if I'm a cornerback, which I spent a lot of my time playing, I want to know my goalie. Like, and I think that's been a massive change for Clare this year and defensively, is putting Donald Tui into goal and sticking by him. You know, through thick and thin, mm. he hasn't made too many mistakes anyway. To be fair to him, but I, yeah, I think on the puck out things, you know, I can imagine when you were looking out like short. It was me and probably somebody standing wing back and wing forward and you said, I'll back my man to win this and I let it down on top of him and, and there was nobody else kind of coming into the scene really. But now, like you see Wexford there with Davy, like the, the whole half forward line could be in together and sprinting to the sideline then and Mark Fanning has to ping it within two yards of the touchline for a wing forward to be run out to it. So that whole dynamic has changed and I suppose it's the, the evolution of tactics and uh, and stats and video analysis if you like you know that that kind of thing okay well Jerry's has given us a kind of a run through the Cork playbook you know Claire you were critical earlier in the year about the full back line and I suppose relating as well too to kind of goalkeeping changes have, have all those issues been resolved ah sure look you won not till Sunday really but to be fair um, Cullum the full back line have been excellent like and uh, two of the people that would have been questioned maybe by a lot of the clear public would have been Jack Brown and Patrick O'Connor, the captain. Was he a cornerback? Like, you know, but they've played great stuff in the last few games. Like, Jack Brown didn't give Graham McKay a look in, like, the last day to the point where they took him off at half time. Like, you know, um, 
it might have been there. with bringing in Richie and John Conlon there was an element of that but he still hadn't any influence during the first half if you, if you watch it again like he, he didn't get on the ball because Jack was first to the ball and really is attacking the ball now I think from a clear point of view one of the things that gives me a little bit of confidence is Alan Cadigan is not around this year he got 1-4 from play last year and on a hot day in Turles Mack and Alan Cadigan and the ball bouncing and, and being pinged in around the place I tell you uh, if I'm a clear cornerback, I'm kind of glad. I'm I'm sorry for Alan as a person, obviously, mm. and I know him even from the the Railway Cup squad. He was a grand lad to deal with, and uh, you know, obviously, a brilliant player. But uh, from a clear point of view, him not being around is is certainly a help. Um, but no, they they have steadied, and I suppose look, Conor Cleary's most natural position is at six. They tinkered with looking at him at three. But Davy Mack is a is a better three for us, you know, and Connor is more comfortable at six as well. So, yeah, look, I think I think look, midfield could decide an awful lot here with Kearney. I mean, at the start of the year, being honest, now, Cullum, I I would have said Daniel Kearney would struggle to make the Cork team, but he's nearly been one of their most consistent men. Like, yeah, you know, and I I I think, I think this role has really suited him and. Um, like I think Clare have to get to grips with that, and I would see maybe Podge Collins's role. Colin, Podge would probably be pick Connor forward, but I could see him dropping out and maybe trying to pick up Daniel, and maybe, do you know that they they'd say maybe to Carl Malone or whatever, can you get on Dara Fitzgibbon and do a job on him because Dara Fitzgibbon has been outstanding for Cork, like. I mean, some of the stuff, some, I mean, the speed of the guy. Incredible engine, isn't oh it? Oh, my God. Like, he's a joy to watch now, to be honest. Like, you know, I've seen him since he was a minor with the, when I was involved at Limerick there. Like, I mean, right up to UCC and that. Like, he's he just an incredible, you know, motor on him. And uh, just, uh, I love watching him play. And I hope he doesn't, I hope I'm not admiring watching him play too well on Sunday. But, you know, I think Claire have to get a grip of that. Bill Cooper is having a good season, really working. You know, Claire, I don't think matched the Cork forwards work rate the first night out I mean if you remember that that moment near the end of it before Harnley's goal now we, the match was level on mm. 73 minutes now there was a long period of injury time because of Robbie O'Flynn's injury and it's great to, to, to hear that he's back fit as, and playing again but um, so there was a long time to go but 73 minutes the match was level and like Shane Amore took off with the ball and he'd be one of the quickest players Clare have and like Lehan and Kingston chased him down the length of 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 Parky Kiev and and overturned him like and won the ball and ball back up the field and got a point. And I don't think our forwards have been kind of putting in that. Well, maybe it is it has improved. Do you mm. know? And I think I, I, it, I think it 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 showed though in the game against Limerick. Yeah, that it had improved. Ah, uh, yeah. Law and yeah. fairness, and and I'd say the boys looked at that and said, look at if we don't up it here like and to me like look this match to me there's two fulcrum forwards I'd call them I would say Harnady and I'd say John Conlon who's having the season of his life like you know uh, and I'd say they're key men and how either team will handle those guys then you have your two kind of marquee forwards if you like in Hoggy and Tony Kelly okay who are capable of shooting the lights out on any given day Hoggy's probably that bit more of a finisher but we know ourselves, you and you'll know if your time and clear even TK on a day could bang mm. over like the league quarterfinal against against Limerick from midfield six and play. Do you know? What? He, but the problem is the next week then. It, yeah, it can be a bit, a little bit hit and miss. But look, I mean, for me, the second half display against Limerick, 
when he hit four from play like that that was just incredible like and I like him at 11 and I think that could be a difficulty now the thing is and I think Jura's alluded to as well if Connerly Han can hit top form then Clare will need a Peter Duggan a Shane O'Donnell uh, a Podge someone like that to, to, to hit top form as well because uh, I think the other guys, you know, they normally deliver on, on those big days. Um, and that's, uh, I think, an awful lot of where, where this will be won and lost at the weekend. Ger, is there more pressure on Cork because of last year winning the Munster Championship, getting to an All-Ireland semi-final? Um, I don't think there's extra pressure on them. I think maybe Clare are putting a bit more pressure on themselves in the fact of, you know, the, that they haven't won something for 20 years. You know what I mean? And they haven't won Munster and... You know, they probably need a bit of silverware to back up maybe where the you know this this confidence is coming from. So I would probably see it that there's maybe more expectation on on, uh, uh, on Claire's point of view to maybe to win something and, and the, expect, the expectation now within their supporters of the last two matches that yeah that we can and we're capable of winning something. Um as as Dale has said, the, the the rebound for the losing team is I think is is, is, is gonna be very difficult, you know, because both teams will want to win someday. Uh, for the for confidence point of view and to, to win a Munster Championship still I think is important for everybody in the context of, 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 of winning a Munster Championship medal the plus side of it it puts, it puts into the other semi-final potentially away from Galway um, so that's that's another I think that's a plus side of it like you know whoever loses on Sunday going, you know playing Wexford that's not that's 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 a that's a that's that's a very difficult game for either team to go through there. You'd have to you know if just clear, you'd have to clear Wexford Fitzy scenarios is going mm. to be there. You know Cork's recent record against Wexford if they go there is hasn't been great. So I think you know I think the you know both teams and the fact that the winners have uh, have 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 four weeks and the losers have two weeks to kind of recover to an extent. They can go gung ho for Sunday and you know only only focus on the ones to final, which is great. And I think, and I think that you know, but I, I don't see, I don't see any pressure from the point of view of Conquer putting pressure on. It's probably you know within their own camp in the context of, of wanting to win. You know what I mean? Want to back up what they won last year. Dale has gone through the key men from a clear perspective. Would you go along with his analysis of of Cork? Yeah, I, I, I you know I, I can't doubt it. I, think I I would agree with him. I I, I I like Tony Kelly at eleven. You know, if I was if I was um, if I was on, on the opposite side of it, I'd prefer to, to see Tony Kelly fur, further away from the goal. Uh, I think they've changed around their team, and I think has made them stronger from the first game. Uh, McInerney at three is definitely better. Conor Cleary at six is better. Um, Tony Kelly at eleven is better. John Connor at fourteen is better. You know, all the switches I think. Have made a difference to the team. Um, Peter Duggan has gone out, and you know maybe he was a bit confined inside mm. in full forward. He, he, you know, he's after getting an awful lot of scores this year uh, from freeze, which obviously means you know you either team can't afford to you know to, to give away fouls because both teams have really t- you know top class top class f- free takers. You know what I mean? And in the context of of the games nowadays, like they're both free takers are up at ninety percent. I would imagine like they don't they don't they rarely miss. So, um, so that's fine. I think Clare's team is better than, than what it was for for the for the game in Cork. Um, again, I suppose I'm not sure if uh, the injury to Shane Amory is he interested if he's playing. He probably again he he'll be okay. He'll be okay, and he'll be stronger up in the half back line as well because I think it's going to come down to the weather Sunday and the way the game has gone. Pace, I think he's definitely an addition out uh, in the half back line instead of David Fitzgerald, who then who's he's a good guy to be able to bring on. Um, I think because I think you know you you're going to need pace to mark some of the cock forwards because the movement and their hurling and their pace you know you, you have to be able to stay with them because if if you don't and they get a chance they'll pop the scores. And, and from a cock perspective, you know, is there an area that you would have some concern or worry about? Um, I'd be I'd be concerned that like if if Mark Ellis isn't playing in the context of the game, what what did they do? Um, the first day against Clare, they played Joycey centre back. 
Uh, they played Mark on the wing and Mark Coleman on the other wing. I've no doubt about Mark Coleman, even though from the point of view is uh, you know if he's some Peter Duggan, there'll be definitely a height advantage there. Uh, f- from Clare's point of view, which um, which may turn out to be an advantage, whether they'll if Mark isn't playing, what are the alternatives? Do we do they bring in Conor Sullivan, who they brought in the last day? They played on Cadigan from the start the last day. Do they play Cadigan? And if the, if if he is if he is in there and they continue to play Joyce centre back, that means Cadigan is on is a right half back on David Reedy. Now again, there's a situation. What do you do? David Reedy won't stay in his position. He'll go roaming around the pitch. Tony Kelly's not going to stay centre forward. He's going to go roaming around the mm-hmm. pitch. So, how do you handle the kind of context of the game of chess there? Do you hold back and mind mind the, mind the D and let Tony Kelly off, which is which is a, you know it's just it's a, that's a, you know you're taking a big chance there that he'll pop up over four or five six points, but maybe you might put up with that in the context if they don't get goals, because I think Clare inside are, there's very little talk of Shane O'Donnell in the context of what he could do. I, I know from experience, like that man is quite capable of turning it on. He only that, he's only mindset is goals. And I think he's been better for Clare this year in that his work rate has been really good. I think you saw at the end of the match against Tip, he put his life on the line, you know, which maybe he has, has been questioned in the past, would he do that? He's dangerous. I know Colm Spillane will know him from playing in UCC, so that'll, that match-up should be fine. Um, but again, he's potentially a very dangerous player. And, you know, on, on, on a day, he could get a good goal or two, as could Conor McGrath if, if things went right for him as well, if he came on. He's another guy that, um, that, 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 that could be dangerous. So... Um, I you know it's, it, I think it's fascinating because some of the matchups are are really good and makes it interesting and you know how how the whole game pans out and what happens during the game and how the switches are how they how both sides and both management see the see the see how the game unfolds. I just think it's, it's fascinating. Okay, two o'clock on Sunday afternoon, Anthony. Well, just one more one more thing on that. <laughs> I think look at driving down here this morning and uh, it's still as bad as ever driving Ennis to Limerick is lovely and I'm used to the bit of the West Clare Road but God the road works in, in, in Charleville and road works again it's, it's well thank God for air conditioning because this like I mean it's promised to get a little bit cooler I think by the weekend but the bench obviously here is going to be massive as well like and uh, you know who'll, who'll have the better who'll make the better changes and having been on the receiving end of this fella and John Allen uh, taking off two of their marquee men um, in an All-Ireland semi-final where we were on top only for you made those changes and you took off Brian Corker and Ronan Curran and turned the game um, I, I just Cork are good at, at substitutions I tell you they usually get them right and uh, Conor McGrath is obviously may not start now they released him to play a county league with Cratlow on, on, on Saturday night which I think was a very good management move, you know, because obviously I'd say you're not playing too many matches in training at the moment. The, the Kellys and the Connellans are there burnt like that. You need to be resting them and, and, and minding them. But Connor hasn't seen much game time in, in the last couple of weeks, so they released him to play for Cratlin. I believe he was sharp and that, you know. So if he came on and was in good form, you know, he could be a potential match winner as well. And obviously that has been one of the down points of the year from a clear point of view because Connor is so good a player. And just hasn't clicked into gear this year, so I think the benches could could actually, in this heat, in these conditions, uh, decide an awful lot. I believe they're pouring uh, lorry loads of water on, on Simple Stadium at the moment uh, every night to try and keep a bit of greenness on the pitch, <laughs> or we might have to go with a different colour ball. <laughs> in in, t- in terms, of, uh, Anthony, just from, you know, from and the two of you. Preparing for a day with with this kind of incredibly unseasonal Irish weather, 
Like, you know, do you have to be bringing in experts in terms of rehydration and all that sort of stuff? Oh, well, you'd, you'd have one of those involved with you. You know, you'd have somebody involved with you in terms of nutrition and that. And you go with them. You trust them. I think you have to. I, I made a statement at one of the preview nights, actually, you know, uh, up and over and more. I think it was with Michael Dyden and Liam Sheedy and Sir Farrell. And I said, I honestly think the teams with the best backroom teams here and I'm not necessarily saying the manager and, and he's a couple of selectors I'm saying the, the backroom staff like your, in terms of your physios your nutritional people with the, with the system that's going to come into play will have a massive influence on that so I think you know if you're managing Claire or Cork at the weekend you're going to trust your guy take his advice or girl whoever it is and uh, you know you obviously fluids will be huge and rest and I'd say back to the sea maybe or down to the sea for your lads and uh, get get the legs into the old water there and freshen up the body and uh, stay out of the sun and all that sort of stuff so I'd say that's been drilled home <laughs> at this stage Would you be a traditionalist Ger, in terms of this entire argument about the Leinster final and the Munster final being on the same day? Um, I think it's just unfortunate I think there's, you know, there's an awful pity that they're, that they're clashing you know I think that again in the schedule I think it could have been it could have, you could have you know playing playing them on, on, on you know two different Sundays I think would, would have been the way to go just unfortunate I, I, was, I was talking to one of the guys playing with Westmead at the, during the week the, Derek McNicholas and I think one of his cousins or his dad is an umpire with James McGrath from Westmead who's refereeing the Munster final so he's obviously going to miss a huge day for Westmead playing in the Joe McDonough Cup final. So, again, you'd wonder at times, would it have been better for J- James McGrath to referee the Leinster final and see Westmead playing in, playing in the Joe McDonough Cup in the match beforehand? Uh, so, I would have, yeah, I'd have loved to see, I think, you know, the Munster final stands alone, as does the Leinster final to, to the people in Leinster, right? I think, that, I think, again, with a tweaking of the system, I think you can find a way to give both those, you know, give them their own days. You know? well, I, said, I, 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 said, I said it uh, last week or the week four. To Eddie Brennan, I said, like, why couldn't they play the Leinster final Saturday evening? Like, well, I tell you, I got fair dagger eyes from, from Eddie. Like, you, 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 this, this shite about the Munster final again, is it? <laughs> but I uh, will say on that point, not not the final perspe- per se, but the entire thing of Saturday night games. We saw the crowd the night of Limerick Cork. We saw the crowd last week for the footballers. There is an argument to be looking at more and more Saturday evening provincial oh, finals. Absolutely, especially with Croker uh, widely available now this Saturday night with the events of the week. <laughs> you know, I would have said, you know, that definitely there, there was an argument that even a toss of a coin to, to see which of them would be played Saturday evening and, and maybe next year then if we're sticking with the system that the Leinster final would be on the Sunday or, you know, vice versa. Um, I think it would be great. I, I, I'd love to be at both games, would say, and an awful lot of hurling people, I think, would love to see Kilkenny and Galway going at it as well because, you know, I mean, you, did you ever see Kilkenny going into a, a Leinster final at 11-4 to 4 in the bookies in, in your life? I, I didn't anyway. So uh, I think that, that could be intriguing as well and people would love to be at both you know, there's, there's a cohort of diehard hurling people all over the country, not necessarily even from the hurling traditional yeah. top eight, nine counties that go to all these big games. You know, I know, having been at Munster finals in later years and Munster semifinals even, just going to Turles with the family or with a few of my mates meeting lads from Armagh who I knew, you know, who could, oh, never missed the Munster final, you know, and that kind of thing goes on all over the the, the, the country with, with hurling people and uh, it is a pity, I think, that, that we have them on the same day. Okay, very quickly, Ger, let's just talk about the Leinster final. 
as Anthony said, you never think you'd see those kind of odds against the Kilkenny no, team. No, not at all. And I suppose you know, I just think that it's I think it's a dangerous game from from a Galway point of view that like they're going in like you know they haven't you know they've they've sailed through the year like from the point of view of of really really being tested and um, really being challenged and uh, you know they're going to Crow Park. Uh, but probably in the context, I suppose, in the back of their mind, like you know, they didn't beat Kilkenny last year when they won the All Ireland, and they may have to beat them three times to win it this year. Yeah. You know, they've played them once and they've beaten them once. Leinster finals to them, I think, you know, they've they've they don't fear this 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 Galway team. I don't fear, I don't think they actually fear Kilkenny, and I think they love the challenge of trying to beat them. And but you never write off Kilkenny. I think you you know if you're writing Kilkenny off and they say, said they're three and a half, four to one. Like you know, they're going to go on Sunday. They're going to give it everything. But um, you know, you you still have to fancy Galway in the context of that uh, they'll be good enough to win the game. Um, it'll be to, to be some turn up for the championship if uh, if Galway lose on Sunday and go into the quarter final. You know that uh, it opens the whole thing up. And you'd imagine there's going to be some twist at some stage in relation yeah. to going through that. You know that they'll sail through into the semi final. And you know if they're going to be hard to beat at that stage. If you know if they get that once they get that far semi final or final, they're going to be difficult. But I think you think I think Kilkenny on Sunday will 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 certainly test them. Um, Kilkenny out of Crow Park or out of Nolan Park, you know they haven't really been that impressive this year. Um, you know Richie Hogan has come back, has been back out again. He took him off the, at halftime the last day. He's been inspirational for him over the last number of years. You know some of their players, younger players, are are, are, uh, are we don't know much about them yet. Uh, but you know on paper, you see, yeah, you certainly have to fancy Galway. But I think that. Uh, I think Kilkenny is will will certainly put up to them, and the only pity is again it's a pity that it's clashing that people can't go to see both games. Yeah, Colm, I, I just think you know uh, I think Jar mentioned Richie Hogan. I think if 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 you're the fully right Richie Hogan, you might be looking at at, at a different prospect in t- in terms of TJ and Walter and the scores needing to come off them. You'd have another aspect there, but I I believe he's just not right. Like it, he's doing his best to to get right and and was obviously able to start uh, against Wexford but um, he's still just you know it's more rest than anything else and he's just you know played through the pain barrier last year and, and that probably cost him you know most of the if not all the early part of this year and I, I just can't see where the scores are going to come from and I I, I do think as well that, that Michal Donoghue's mindset and I'm thinking of I'm thinking of David Bork, Joe Canning, Dahi Bork, you know, uh, Johnny Cohn, lads that were around for the beatings that Kilkenny dished out to them, you know. Uh, they beat him in the twelve Leinster final, they came along and beat him in a replay in the All Ireland, you know, and like any time Kilkenny got a chance they just couldn't get past them. But now they seem to have a team that uh, they don't concede much. I mean, they've conceded hardly nothing really from playing the championship and uh there's a kind of a rootless spine to the to, to the team, and um, but like like yourselves in '95, Anthony, after winning in All Ireland, is, is there such a thing as that that weight, that monkey off your back? There is, and and we certainly were different. Like I mean, I think I remember a quote from from it was a newspaper article, and even though they beat us the following year, Damien Quigley, who used I often marked him, he used to play kind of forward for Limerick on that team. Uh, and a great and a piercing man, good good mate of mine, and and uh, he said he he couldn't believe how much better we were in '96 than in '95, even though they beat us. Mm. But we didn't put them away. We were three points ahead all the way through, and we missed goal chances. And then obviously they came with Kieran, that l- usual. Kieran. Well, the Limerick surge, Barry Foley had a fair bit to do with it as well off the bench, but in Kieran's famous point, and then we were gone, no back door, so no second chances and anything like that. But yeah, it gave us massive confidence. Like I mean, and it started in '97. 
we believed we were the best team in the country in our heads. Like, if you told me that at the start of 95, I'd have said, I'm not so certain about that. And certainly coming home from the league final that year in 95, and fellas saying you'll win, look, Nan declared in the dressing room that we'd win Munster, and it took me about 25 minutes to pluck up the courage to say to Sparrow, well, what you make it, your man's prediction about Munster? Ah, he says, well, he'll think about that tomorrow. He says, he'll stop, will you? Says, you know, but oh, it just, just changes you when you, when you are coming from a county that just has been down for so long. And, and look, Galway have always had great underage teams and these lads would expect to win coming up along. But they just, since Earl Farrell's team, just couldn't get it done. And uh, I think finally getting it done last year, um, might have even been a different final, you know, if Cork were in that final, traditionally like Cork in the final, but it was Waterford in themselves, so there was no real baggage. It was a bit like ourselves in 95, tell you the truth, it was awfully, even though they were the best team in the country and were the champions, you know, but they were still awfully and we, we had no history with them, you know, it wasn't Kilkenny, you know, it wasn't Cork or Tip, like so. I just think they're, they are, they look a different bunch of men at the moment and uh, fellas like Parik Mannion, like the hurling he's playing, you know, uh, his brother as well in the forwards, Connor Whelan now, like, even compared to early last year, look at him now, like, I mean, I mean, if he gets ball in front of that Kilkenny full-back line on Sunday, he'll just turn and run, and, and I think the one change I've noticed in him this year is, like, they won in All-Ireland scoring 30 points last year, but they're going in for goals every time they're on this year, and... Uh, I'd expect them to just have too much in the locker. I'd, although I, I would be expecting a, a Cody-esque performance from the Kilkenny boys in terms of uh, giving it everything. And that's it from this edition, this special edition of the Irish Examiner's GA Championship Podcast Paper Talk. Thanks indeed to our very special guests who joined us in studio today, Anthony Daly and to Ger Cunningham. Thanks also to Larry Ryan, the man pushing all the buttons in the background. We're back again on Monday to look back on the weekend's championship action in football and hurling. And don't forget, if you want to download the podcast, you can go to iTunes, to SoundCloud or to irishexaminer.com forward slash paper talk. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 